Thank you, worship team. That is our prayer this morning, um, that the Holy Spirit is, is here and is coming and is falling afresh on us. Um, so over the past few weeks, we've, we've been in this series talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and we started at Pentecost, um, and then we talked about who the Holy Spirit is and, and why we need the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're turning a little bit um, to look at how the Holy Spirit works. And um, gosh, there are so many ways, <laughs> so many ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Um, at, at Pentecost, we saw that dramatic uh, outpouring of the Spirit with wind and tongues, fire and different languages and drawing different people together. Um, but for some of us, we might not be able to, to point to something like that in our own lives, but um, we might have experienced the Spirit as a, a still small voice that, that speaks um, in the silence or that inspires our reading of Scripture or nudges and prompts us um, other times, the Spirit speaks to us in the words of a friend or a mentor or even through a stranger, or we just have a, a gut feeling, um, whether that's a peace that overcomes us or a strong sense of, no, you shouldn't do that, or uh, something that the Spirit convicts us of something that we need to turn around in our lives, or an intuition that just says, this, this is what God has for you. Uh, this is what God wants for you. Um, so if, if we look at Scripture, I think we see all of these different different ways at work in Scripture. Um, and even though we point to, to Pentecost as the time when we, we think of the Holy Spirit being poured out, we see the Spirit at work many times throughout the, the Old and the New Testament. I mean, yeah. from the beginning, from creation. Yeah, um, absolutely. We, we see the, the Spirit hovering over the waters, uh, filling those first humans with breath, we see the Spirit anointing and sustaining. Uh, when, when Samuel anoints David, it's the, it's the Spirit that shows David that this, uh, shows Samuel that David is the one that Samuel's supposed to anoint. And then it says in Scripture that, that the Spirit of the Lord uh, was, was with David and came upon him powerfully and was with him from that time. Um, we see the Spirit leading and guiding God's people and uh, convicting them of the need to, to repent when they've turned away. Uh, we see this again with David, and we'll look next week at Psalm 51, where, where um, David asks that God's Spirit not be taken away after he's, um, he's, he's done wrong. Um, and we see the Spirit giving, giving God's people strength and gifts. Um, yeah, there, so there's one... Uh, one example of this in the Old Testament, it's kind of tucked away. It's, in the, it's toward the end of the book of Exodus. Um, and it's one of my favorites because it, it speaks to God's creativity. Um, and it says that the, God is speaking to Moses in Exodus 31. And uh, they're at a time where they're, they're constructing the tabernacle. So they're, they're, they're still wandering. They're, they're trying to have a place where they can worship the Lord and, uh, and get the tabernacle set up just right. And so God tells Moses uh, about, uh, about a man named uh, Bezalel. And God says, I have filled him with divine spirit, with God's spirit. Um, the spirit of God with ability, with intelligence, with knowledge of every kind of craft. And so I just, I just love that, that he has creativity, uh, skill to make artistic designs with gold and silver and wood and all kinds of things to make the worship place of God beautiful. And that was made possible by God pouring out God's spirit on a person with creativity uh, to make those things happen. I think that's a really cool example of the spirit. Yeah, for work. sure. Um, and, and if we jump ahead to the Gospels, we, we also see, of course, the Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove when he's baptized um, and then sending him out into the wilderness where he, he meets the tempter. Um, and we see the Spirit giving him strength through all of that. And um, 
But I imagine that when most of us think of the Holy Spirit, we might think of the book of Acts. And you know, a lot of times Acts gets referred to as the Acts of the Apostles, but I think it's actually a little more accurate to say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because I mean, really, the Holy Spirit is the main character in, in pretty much every story um, that we see in in Acts. And so we're going to look at a passage from Acts this morning. It might not be the one that you would have assumed would be a Holy Spirit passage. But before we read in Acts chapter 16, Jeff, will you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Word of God, living and active, speak your truth to your church this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So this morning we're going to be looking at a passage from Acts chapter 16, and we're going to be starting with verse 9. And here it says, A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We sailed from Troas straight for Samothrace and came to Neapolis the following day. And from there we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in that city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the riverbank where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of those women was Lydia a Gentile God worshiper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged, now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of God for us, God's people. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Now, you might be thinking, who chose this passage? <laughs> Why? The uh, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I, yeah. I, I think that's a, a, the right answer. <laughs> um, but, but maybe you listen to those verses and you're like, um, Laura, that doesn't even mention the Holy Spirit. <laughs> why, are, why is that going to show us how the Holy Spirit works? But I think if we look closely at, at these verses, we do actually see um, at least three different ways that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is at, at work in this passage. And, um, and I think it helps us discern some of the ways that the Spirit might be at work in our own lives. And so if we, if we look at the beginning there, um, first we see that the Spirit was at work by bringing this vision to Paul. Paul sees a vision of a man, and who, the man is, is saying, come over to Macedonia and help us, and that prompts him to go to Macedonia. And so, you know, it was the Spirit who was at work bringing that vision to Paul and um, bringing him to the conclusion that 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 meant God was calling them to go and, and proclaim God's good news there. And I think one of the biggest ways that the Spirit works is in guiding us to see what God is calling us to do. And you know, one of the things I think is really interesting about this, those couple of verses is that it doesn't even seem to exactly line up with what God, what, the, what Paul and the disciples end up experiencing. Right. Luke, the author of Acts, is, is very clear in highlighting that it was a Macedonian man who comes to them in the vision. But then in the next verses, they don't meet a man, they meet a bunch of women, and it's 
a woman, Lydia, who's the one who's converted. And, and there's never a mention of this Macedonian man. We never find out who he was or why he, he appeared to Paul in a vision other than perhaps this experience that we just read that they had by the riverside. And so, you know, makes me wonder, why, why was that? <laughs> well, I think it, it's, it illustrates, though, the, the fact that Paul was responsive enough to go, okay, well, I, st- I don't know, the guy says, come help. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and trust that that vision is from God and, and follows through on it, um, even though it doesn't play out exactly maybe the way he might be thinking originally. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if, if maybe because of just the culture of first century, you know, if, if a woman had appeared to Paul in a vision, it might have seemed improper or might have not seemed worth the time to go. But um, he, he has this vision, and yeah, he, he follows the lead of the Spirit. And then when he, he gets there, he still ends up fulfilling what it was that it seems the Spirit wanted done in that situation, that he, he follows the Spirit's direction, and, and in the end, God uses them in such a way that God's will is, is fulfilled. And you know, I think still today, um, the Spirit speaks to us through visions and through dreams, and it might look a lot of different ways. Um, as, as I was thinking back, I remembered a few weeks ago when we were celebrating our, our 20th anniversary of being in this building, in this space, uh, Vern shared about a couple of visions that, that previous leaders had had when they were yeah. touring the building before, while it was still under construction, and they said, I have a vision of, of a worship service happening in, in this Family Life Center, and I have a vision of a school meeting in the education building. And it was, it was several years down the road before yeah. that vision came to fruition, but that that, that was the beginning of the spirit nudging yeah. and prompting and, and moving in a way that, that now our, our building is used in incredible ways in yeah. those spaces. I, um, I love that story. I love those stories because that was not, it wasn't really on the table. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily in the plans in the beginning for that, for those spaces to be used in those ways. And yet, people receive these visions from God and, and sure enough, here we are and, and we're, in, we're able to live into those. And I just think that's so, I think that's beautiful. Um, I had a, I, sort of a similar experience here with when I was first starting here at Boone Methodist uh, nine, nine years ago. I started as a part-time pastor at Blackburn's Chapel. It's actually quarter-time appointment. And uh, I had only been here just a couple of months. And uh, I had, uh, so I was serving out in Todd, but I was coming in here for staff meetings and meeting with the staff and, and doing other things. I was in the chapel for something. I can't remember uh, what it was exactly, but some kind of service we were doing in the chapel. And I remember sitting there after everybody had left, I was sitting in the chapel and just looking up through the, through the windows. It's a beautiful space, one of the most beautiful spaces in our building. And I just remember this feeling came over me that, and here I am, you know, part-time, quarter-time, <laughs> 10 hours a week, um, pastor out in Todd, 11 miles down the road, um, thinking, I don't know what in the world God is doing here, but let's just see. And as I sat in the chapel, this feeling came over me, this, this vision that, this feeling that said, like, no, this could actually be like a long-term thing. Um, this isn't just a part-time, don't think of this as just a quarter-time thing in this, in this chapel. Like, this could be a long-term thing. And here we are, like, nine years later, uh, living into that still. And so I, that was a vision that I believe I, I received from God to, uh, and just to encourage me to continue serving here. And super grateful for it. So. Yeah, we're so glad that, you're, <laughs> that, that that vision came to fruition yeah. and that you're, you're still yeah. here with us. Um, yeah, so I, I think those, those visions are, are one um, maybe more concrete way that, that God speaks to us and that the Spirit works within us. I think another way that is a little more subtle that we see in this passage is, is through those little 
slight promptings, or I might even call them an inkling. Um, and I think we see that when it says that Paul and his companions had thought that there might be a place to pray down by the riverbank. And so they, you know, who knows what it was? Was it something someone had mentioned? Was it just this feeling they had? Hey, let's go down to the river. That looks like a beautiful spot. Uh, we don't really know. But what we do know is that when they get there, they encounter a group of women and they encounter Lydia. And, and it seems that this was one of the purposes that God had brought them to this place for. Um, and so I think this is a little more like that still small voice that, um, that maybe is the idea that pops into your head. I've had this happen where, you know, I think of someone and I think, oh, I should call that person. And then I call them and it's like, oh, wow, I'm so glad that I called them because they yeah. were, they really needed that phone call. They needed to yeah. hear from someone. They were going through something, something hard. Um, and those experiences, they always make me want to pay more attention mm. to the Holy Spirit promptings. Um, and so, you know, that makes me try to have a, a regular prayer focus of, of just thinking, okay, what if every little prompting I have like that, I take to be a sign of the Holy Spirit yeah. and, and I follow through with that. And, and um, in, in times when I've done that, I, I feel like the Spirit has showed up in ways that were, were really powerful. And, um, and it, it makes me think of how many times I might have brushed those aside <laughs> as well and, and missed out on, on things that the Spirit was wanting to do because I thought, oh, that's silly. Why would I call them? <laughs> um, but I think it's um, when we pay attention to those things, it can be a, a powerful testimony. And as I was, I was thinking about that this week, I thought about um, a, one of you, one of our church members, who told me a story a couple years ago that they, um, they had a pair of work boots in their truck. And they were driving down the road, and they had this pair of boots, and they just felt like, the Holy Spirit, God told them that they needed to go over to Hospitality House. And so they... They turned their truck around and, and went to Hospitality House, and when they got there, they met a man and started talking to him, and it turned out he had gotten a new job and needed a pair of work boots, and his shoe size was the same size as, as this man's, and so and the boots that they had, and so he was able to give, give the boots to him, and in that moment knew that God had, God had directed him there and that it had been the Holy Spirit that had prompted him to be able to help this man have, have work boots um, to be able to, to work. Um, yeah. And, and I think that when we follow those promptings, it, it truly can be a, a way that we let God use us. Um. Yeah. I, um, so I had an interesting thing happen to me just yesterday, actually, that affirmed one of those promptings for me. Um, I had several months ago, I, back in January, Jim Steins passed away, and I was officiating his funeral here. And in preparing to preach that funeral, uh, a particular verse came to mind for me, and that's, that was from 1 John chapter 4, where it says, God is love. And I, so, I, so I preached about that in, at his funeral because the way that Jim lived his life was illustrative of that, <laughs> that God is love. Um, and it was just, it, Jim lived a beautiful life of service that, that demonstrated God's love to all people. But it was very strong, this, this sense as I was preparing that message um, that I needed to mention this specific verse. Well, I didn't really know uh, any more than that at the time. So we preached the funeral. Um, yesterday, we had his burial service at the cemetery, and I was gathered with his family, and we committed him uh, to the ground. And, um, and Jim's daughter shared a story of when she was a young teenager, and she was feeling just a kind of typical teen angst and rebellion and anger at the, her, her, her greater awareness of the state of the world that we live in and what in the world is going on, all this stuff. And she came to her dad one night and asked him, like, so you believe in this God? Like, what, how can all this stuff happen around the world? How, how, how can you believe in God when all of these things are going on? 
And Jim just looked at her, and this is the only thing he said. He looked at her straight in the face, and he just said, God is love. And she shared that story yesterday, and of course I remember, and she, and she said, Jeff, you'll appreciate this, because she had remembered at the funeral that that was a verse that came to me the night before, and, and it just, that was a way of the Spirit speaking. And I, I think that's such a beautiful testimony, not only to, to Jim Steins and his life and, and his legacy, um, but to the answer for how is, how do you believe in God? Well, God is love. Uh, it says it right in God's Word. I, I think that's, that's a beautiful example of the Spirit speaking. Yeah, that is. Thank you. That is so yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah, so, so we have the Spirit speaking and, and these mysterious little promptings and nudgings and what some might call God moments or holy coincidences. Um, and th- then I think the third way that we see the Spirit moving in this passage is, uh, as the sp- it says, the Lord enabled Lydia to embrace Paul's message. And so um, in that enabling is is a way that we see the Spirit at work. Last week uh, in our sermon, Vern talked about the Spirit's role in affirming our identity as children of God. And, and I wonder if um, that was in part how the Spirit helped Lydia to be able to embrace God's message, or Paul's message of God's grace and God's love. The passage tells us that Lydia was a Gentile God worshiper. And as a woman and as a Gentile, that meant that she had likely faced a lot of exclusion. Um, in the temple, Gentiles and women were only allowed into the outer courts, not all the way fully in. They couldn't fully participate in all of the religious traditions and practices. And so Lydia probably had, had felt excluded. And I imagine also as a, a businesswoman in the first century, she, uh, was, she was certainly not your typical, um, typical person, your typical business person. Sure. Um, she was quite wealthy. Purple cloth was uh, a very um, expensive luxury item. And so it, I, I, b- I believe she probably experienced a lot of um, exclusion and hardship and, and maybe had experienced not being valued for who she was. But Paul's message of the gospel showed her something new, that she could be a daughter of God, fully accepted, no longer looked down on because of who she was. And, and what we see in the story is that the Spirit's affirmation also empowered her to keep living in countercultural ways. She used her power and her wealth and her resources to support Paul and his companions as she hosted them in her home. And, and I imagine that she continued using those resources to support the growing little community of faith that, um, that, that emerged there from Paul's preaching. And so here we see a way that the Spirit works to prepare our hearts for something that God is going to do. Whether that's the Spirit going before us to prepare us to receive the good news of salvation, or whether that is preparing our hearts for a transition in our lives or an unexpected turn of events. And you know, as I was, I was thinking about this passage, and one of the reasons I was so excited to, to preach this morning was thinking about some of the work the Spirit's been doing in my own life lately. Um, I've shared parts of this with some of you all, but um, this definitely has been, has been a very Spirit-filled time. As, I'm, as many of you know, in a few weeks, I'm going to be um, shifting my role with Boone United Methodist a little bit. I'll still be um, continuing Part, uh, 20 hours a week with, with community engagement work for um, all of Boone UMC, but starting in July, I'll also be preaching and teaching out at Blackburn's Chapel. And um, some of y'all might not know that before I came to Boone United Methodist five years ago, I was a solo pastor um, down the mountain for, for almost four years. And when I came here, I, I felt really strongly that I did not want to be preaching every week. <laughs> um, I, I was... Um, 
feeling a, a shift in, in what I was being called to and, and knew that, that taking a, at least a break from preaching was, was part of that. But um, in the, the weeks and months before I found out about this transition that would be happening with Blackburn's Chapel, I found myself more and more um, feeling the spirit stirring within me. And there were some sermon planning meetings where we were planning out sermon series that were coming up. And, and I found myself thinking about, wow, like all these ways that I would want to preach the messages that we were, we were planning and, and creative things that we could do in worship. And, and I truly believe that the spirit was preparing uh, me and growing excitement within me for this new responsibility that I'll be taking on. And, and on announcement Sunday, I also shared that um, God's timing with my renewal leave and, and um, being able to take those couple months away this winter, I think was also a spirit thing. Um, that in planning it, I thought it was gonna be for one purpose, but in, with this transition, it, it ended up being important for so many more reasons. And so to me, that has been a, an affirmation and a, a confirmation that the spirit really does prepare us when God is leading us to something new or something different, yeah. that, that the spirit works within us to, to prepare us and to lead us into that. And as, as I was reading this passage this week, it also stood out to me that, that like with Paul and Lydia and so many passages in Acts, um, the Holy Spirit has worked in people's lives in unexpected ways, ways that went against cultural norms. And, and it was only by listening to the Spirit that others could see and accept these new things. I mean, that's definitely the case in Acts 11, a, a few chapters before where we read this morning, um, when before Paul even comes and preaches to, to Lydia, the apostles were debating, could Gentiles really become full and equal members in the community of faith um, as followers of Jesus? And, and so in ch chapter 11, Peter is telling the disciples about preaching at Cornelius's house. Cornelius was another Gentile God worshiper. And as Peter is preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on the whole household. And, and Peter says that he remembered the Lord's words, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, if God gave them the same gift that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's way? In some translations it says, who am I to hinder God? And, and that made me think of some of the early women preachers who the Spirit empowered to preach and proclaim the good news, and it was by trusting the Spirit and seeing the fruit of the Spirit that the church leaders decided that they could not deny them the, the um, chance to, to preach God's Word. And that was definitely the case. Uh, one of my favorite stories of this was Jarena Lee, who was the first African-American woman who was authorized to preach in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And... Um, you might remember Richard Allen started that denomination after he was discriminated against in the, the Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia. And so he started this new denomination. And when Jarena Lee first came to him and said that God was calling her to preach, he was like, oh, I don't know. We don't, we don't really allow for that. <laughs> There's not really anything that says women can, can preach. And, uh, and so for eight years, she, she just wrestled with that, but she wasn't preaching. And then one day she's sitting in church and there's a man preaching and he's giving a sermon and it says the spirit, uh, he lost the spirit. He, he was kind of, I think, uh, struggling with what to say. <laughs> and so in, in one of these pauses, um, she feels the spirit urging her to stand up and preach and that's what she does. And um, 
Bishop Allen is in the, in the congregation as well that day, and after hearing her deliver this impromptu sermon, um, he saw that the Spirit had indeed uh, gifted her to preach, and so he authorized her to preach, and she went on to have an incredible preaching ministry and became um, not just a well-known preacher, but the first African-American woman to have her autobiography published in the United States. Um, and so I think her story reminds us of one other piece of the Holy, how the Holy Spirit works that, that we, would, we would be remiss to not uh, talk about this morning, and that's how the Holy Spirit works in producing within us the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, we read about Christ setting us free, and that part of that um, is freedom to walk in the Spirit, and that when we are trying to to do that, to live open and according to the Spirit, the Spirit then produces within us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and it's important to, to say that's not just a checklist of behaviors. Um, it's not just things that we can muster up by our own strength and strive to be more patient, more loving, more uh, kind. But they're a gift, a gift that comes from surrendering our lives to, to Jesus and to being led by the Spirit. And, and by submitting to, to loving God and loving our neighbors, we open ourselves up to receive those gifts. And and this is how God has chosen to work in the world, through cultivating these gifts within us. And and through that, the Spirit then helps us to to shape the world around us, to better reflect the the way that God dreams for the world to be. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that that those are gifts. And sometimes that... (laughs) Sometimes it's very difficult to respond in situations with with those gifts, unless you do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is really hard. I had an experience this week, uh, I'm sure many of you have recently, just looking through, uh, there was something posted on Facebook and I, and I did it and I knew I shouldn't have done it right away. I read the comments. D- just don't, just don't read the comments. There's, I, rarely does anything good come out of the comment section. Um, but here I am reading the comments and I was just, I, this was earlier in the week, I was just so just so burdened by the way that people were speaking to one another um, about the topic I was reading about. And it's just, those, those fruits were not very present in the comments that people were making um, toward one another. And it just, again, it made me realize just how much we need the power of the Holy Spirit sometimes to be able to respond in love and peace and patience and gentleness and self-control um, my goodness, come Holy Spirit in self-control on Facebook and, and social media. Um, you know, we, we just, we're, my uh, Sunday school group just wrapped up a, a study on a, a book by Scott McKnight called The Blue Parakeet, and it talks about kind of how to read scripture, and there are parts of scripture we're not quite sure what to do with, and, um, but anyway, it's, it's a great book. And the, one of the sections he talks about justice, and he talks about what does justice look like in God's kingdom? And he defines justice and says it's, it's different, like biblical justice is different from um, sort of secular justice, like the constitution and, and the, the rule of law that we have. Um, they're, they're different things. And he, he talks about justice in terms of being justified or, or put in right relationship with God and one another. Um, and talks about that's the, that's the part of justice that there's, there's a part of justice that we can't accomplish on our own. Uh, but that comes through the power of the Spirit. That comes through the power of, of living in, in community with God's people together. And that's how God 
Um, that's how God empowers justice to thrive is, is first of all, it's for us to act out with one another in covenant with God by the power of the Holy Spirit um, as, as God's people. Um, we enact justice among ourselves first and then that naturally flows out to the rest of the world in every place where right relationship is needed and restoration is needed and reconciliation is needed. Um, and again, it just reminded me the, the, the need for the Holy Spirit in, in those kinds of things. It's just, it's so hard to act justly on your own power. Because we're not, I, I just, the, the power of sin in the world is so great. And the power of, of selfishness and the, and the desire to, in the early in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a man named Lamech who, who is wronged. And he says, I'm going to wrong you 70 times over for what you've done to me. And that feels like a natural, I know I feel that inclination. When somebody says something about me or does something, I want to, like, I want to get mine. I want to get right back. And it's only by the power of the Spirit in me that I can choose to respond differently. And I think that's an important role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as, as a community of Christians um, and, and in, in particular, not only how we respond to one another, but how we respond to the world that God loves. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's so important. And it, it makes me think of um, one of my mentors and, and people I look up to a lot is, is Reverend Dr. Alexia Salvatierra. And she um, has... has done a lot of work in thinking about how people of faith um, organize to bring about justice in the world. And, and she talks about the, the two kinds of power we see. And she's drawing on where Jesus says that we must be um, as, as wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves. And that there's serpent power that's kind of the worldly power, the strength of numbers and resources and might. Um, but then dove power is, is that Holy Spirit power that's that's different and that one of the things, the great gifts that the church has to offer the world is, is using that, that Holy Spirit power to bring about change. And yeah. I love one of the stories she tells about um, some, some work that was happening out in California where there was um, a, a strike going on. There were some um, security guards who were uh, organizing to, to try to ask for better wages, better benefits. They were just receiving really low, low pay and not proper training and not proper benefits. And so um, they were, you know, asking for, for, for what they, to be paid fairly and to have better training. And um, so there was this buzz going around where they were all um, demonstrating. And one of the vice presidents of the company came out who, who had decision-making power to, to make some of the changes that they were asking for. And um, Reverend James Lawson, who was a, a, a a pastor and a civil rights leader was, was there and he went over and started talking to the man. And um, sensing kind of, he knew that this man was a, a believer, um, that he was a, a, per a person of faith, a, a follower of Jesus. And so he um, introduced himself and, and, and started talking to him and, and just calling out within him um, what he knew this man's heart and soul desired. He, he, he said, you know, he knew that that this man wouldn't want the security officers to not be able to um, afford rent and adequate food and medical care for their children. And, you know, at first the, the guy kind of responded with excuses and, and reasons why, you know, he couldn't do that. And, but he just kept on, you know, he knew that this man did not want them to risk their lives without adequate equipment or training. And yeah. with, by continually to, continuing to um, name the things that, that our faith tradition says and calling out what he, he sensed the spirit might be doing, um, they were able to, to, to change the practices and, and the, the workers were able to get what, um, what they needed and what, yeah. what they were asking for. And yeah. so I think so often um, in, 
in changes that, that need, to be had, need to be made in the world if we, if we um, see ourselves as, as maybe allies of what the Holy Spirit could be doing within yeah. decision makers, within um, people who, who have power, and if we can call out the best within them um, mm. to, to, to live out their beliefs, I think that, that that's a powerful way that the Spirit can bring, bring change in our world. Absolutely. Um, so... So we've covered a lot of ground today, <laughs> um, but we hope that through all of this that you've been able to see yourself um, in, in part of this story of how God works in individual lives, in the church and in the world around us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, the ways that the Holy Spirit shows up, how the Holy Spirit shows up in individuals and in each of us is different. It's different for all of us, a lot of different forms that it takes, um, but what is constant is that the Holy Spirit continually works within us and around us to lead us deeper into um, the freedom that, that Christ has given us, a freedom that, that remakes us and that remakes the world around us to, to reflect God's love and God's joy and God's peace. And so um, our invitation to you this morning and this week is, is to pay attention, um, to really pause and, and look and listen and reflect on what the Holy Spirit might be doing in you um, right now, in the world around you, in the people around you, and to see how the Spirit might be inviting you to join in. Um, and so if the books of Acts is any indication, I think that when we do that, God truly can turn the world upside down and, and change, change the world um, more towards God's uh, dream for us. So. Um, it's my prayer that we can be a part of doing that. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.